Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's Wednesday at Wretched, and of course, that can only mean one thing. It's Witness Wednesday. I am Jimmy Hicks, and this week, Todd and the team are back at Kennesaw State University, roaming around looking for young men and women to share Christ with. And from my understanding, just before we went on, they do have someone standing by waiting to chat. At least I hope they do, because if not, this transition's going to get awkward. This man is going to be the beginning of my scientific experiment, Paul. I am going to lay out a premise based on the number of minutes that I've just spent with you. So here's here's my thinking, okay? How many hours a day do you spend on a cell phone, social media, ing? Uh, I think around two hours. That's low. Oh, that's pretty good to hear. <laughs> I, th- I think the average is eight hours. Oh, man, my parents are going to be proud. I should go tell them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so eight hours is a lot. Eight hours is a lot. And I, th- and I think that you actually demonstrate that less social media the more alive you are you're kind of clear-eyed your voice you smile smile yeah my mom mom tells me about that yeah because and i think that's because you don't watch as much social media as everybody else does because i think it kind of deadens you it definitely uh doesn't give you as many opportunities to kind of go out and experience things outside of social media if you're spending a third of the 24-hour cycle on social media you're not going out and finding out other neat things or finding out new things about yourself. Like, How's it about just being with a human being? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's un, untethered. You could get a really good experience. You could get a bad experience. But even just having that is unique. Here's here's another. This, In fact, this might actually be closer to scientific. The depression rate, anxiety rate, suicide rate for your generation off the charts. I think there's a connection to social media. I definitely believe that it's been going up as fast as technology has been going up kind of with it. And uh, there's all these kind of communities for those groups of people that are feeling that online. But I, I, I don't know. I think it's definitely got something to do with uh, the Internet purpose. Have you ever felt anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations? I don't think I have. Not, not legitimate ones, you know. If I were your friend and I said, let's sit on this really awkward bench because it's awful, isn't it? Look at us. It's like we're at the dentist office. School of engineering here that could make something better. <laughs> you would like to think so. Somebody needs to get out. This could be like their 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 doctoral thesis. By just fixing this bench, they could graduate with a diploma. All right. If I came to you and I said, Paul, um, I am feeling really blue. I am actually contemplating taking my own life. Would you please talk me out of it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd try to sit you down and try to talk you out of it. What would you say? Oh, man. Uh, I'd try to ask why. I'd start by getting your side of the story on, you know, why maybe you don't aren't so happy with your life and kind of take steps from there on why you feel that way. 
I think that's a smart place to start rather than just assuming stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't want to put my opinion on you before I know the story. I wouldn't want to give any tools or tricks for you until I know, you know, would these even be helpful or how can I attack? The best way to uh, get on a situation is to find out the situation, you know, so kind of figure that out first. Yeah, there, there's a proverb. can't remember which one, but if you are quick to speak, you're not very smart because you should be asking more questions because um, the heart of a man is like a deep well. You have to dig down deep to figure out what's really going on inside. So I agree with you. Let's, I said, uh, look, Paul, um, I, I'm not graduating. I bombed out. My grades are terrible. I don't have a future. My parents are furious at me. Uh, none of my relatives talk to me and I'm just tired. Oh man. Well, you said I'm your friend in this situation. You're coming to me. I'm definitely always going to be there for you. And I always do think that it's it works like a pendulum. When you're at your furthest point, that's when it's going to start swinging back to where it gets better. I think, I don't know if you can help me out, just give it a little more time. And then let's talk about this again soon. <laughs> so you can kind of pull it together. Yeah. Paul, if I came to you and said, you are a likable fellow, you're animated with your communication. I want to be like you. I want to believe what you believe. What would you share with me? Um, you know, sometimes I'm not feeling my best, but I like to just put on an optimistic uh, smile and it kind of sort of follows that. I just start thinking positive and the positive things start coming. Are you a religious fellow? Yeah, I'm Catholic. So persuade me to become Catholic so I can be like you. Well, I don't really know about persuading people. I like to mask it. Yeah, I, I like to help people. And I'd say, I mean, church is not the most important thing. It's more about finding, uh, finding out if you can be more than yourself. So I'd say if you wanted to come with me and learn with that, I'd, I'd love to show you the ropes and just take you along as a, me not trying to convince the person, but just saying, hey, maybe walk a little bit in my shoes and see if you like it. What would be the best reason to become a Roman Catholic? What would you say? Um, I don't know. Maybe the community of it. I, I like the community of the Catholics and, um, you know, not just Catholics. I've hung out with the, you know, the Baptists, the Lutherans. They've all treated me a little differently, but they've all treated me pretty well and very welcoming. I'd like, I think that's pretty great is uh, how welcoming they are and always great to talk to because they like to listen. So let's say I said, hmm, that's a bummer because, Paul, I've got a community. I'm a part of 4-H. We've got a neighborhood development. I'm on the tennis league. I got plenty of community. As a Roman Catholic, what else do you have for me? Uh, I don't know. It really just depends on what you're looking for it's it's got a lot of stuff you know people read uh art of war to get a lot of wisdom i think you can read just certain parts of the bible at a time no nope, not the whole thing it's super long but certain parts of the bible at a time to find out oh i'd like some wisdom on um how should i get my grades up or i'd like some wisdom on building more determination in myself or something like that in these little specific sectors starting out with that you know if you've got five minutes you can read a couple sentences find out what it means to you all right, the Bible. What is that book about? Uh, it's more of a history book, kind of, but it's got a lot of 
symbology. That's the word, symbology. But what what what's the subject? Like, you know, if I read Moby Dick, I'm going to read about a whale that got hunted. What's the Bible about? Well, the Bible is about, starting in a uh, chronological order, the experiences people have with this one specific God and throughout time, how that changes with different groups of people or depending on what they're going through, such as like a, you know, Exodus, you look at them being enslaved in Egypt, or if you jump forward a lot, you're at the Roman Empire. And it's kind of just a historical account of how people experience the Lord uh, throughout time. I'm going to guess something. I'm not sure. You can correct me. I'm going to guess you're postmodern. Maybe. What's that mean? <laughs> All right. Philosophically, here's, here's, a, here's a tour of 2,000 years of philosophical history, typically how a culture processes reality. From the time of uh, Jesus Christ, so from B.C. to A.D., we'll call that zero, till about the 14th century, that was considered the pre-modern world. And the mindset basically was the church said it, Roman Catholic Church said it, or the Bible said it, we're done, no argument. That's what truth is. But then people started to question the existence of God and the authority of the church. That's very healthy to do. That's, that's very healthy to question. So they, they, they went beyond questioning to rejecting it and saying, God and the Bible and the church doesn't have the answer. We do. And so that became the age of reason, the age of empiricism, the age of logic. But something happened along the way. This philosophy is kind of pervading most of culture. But World War I came along and then World War II came along. And the consensus was, you know what? We human beings really do not have the, we have made a big hash of it. And then we entered into what is called the postmodern. So the modern era is the age of empiricism. The postmodern era says truth can't be known. It's subjective. It's not objective. God doesn't know it. Man doesn't know it. Truth is my, my opinion about a subject, and that is what makes it true. So you and I can totally, I'm a Hindu, you're a Catholic. We're both right. Oh, yeah, yeah I, th I think that, that makes some sense to it. Too. So you're postmodern. Right. I'm just sort of Catholic because that's the style I fit into. But I believe that, you know, uh, my beliefs are valid, just like some person alone in the woods coming to their own conclusions about what there is or isn't out there. And can I test that theory? OK, let's just say let's look out there and just see um, that garbage can. Right? I believe that's God. And when I die, I'm going to be brought to an incinerator, put into a hefty baggie, small one, Ziploc perhaps, and put into that container for all of eternity. And that's where I will live for forever. And stop. This seems like a pretty good place to take a break. Let's all hold on to that thought for the next three minutes. Time living for all of eternity in a trash can. Maybe I'm the only one that enjoys the visual. It's because he bullies me. Oh. Pray for me and hang tight because more Witness Wednesday is next on Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an 
incendiary device, a preborn clinic in Miami, vandalized, and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the uh, literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hello and gracias. That means thank you in Spanish for our unolingual listeners. Gracias for listening to Wretched Radio today, where you learn all kinds of things. And another place you're able to learn stuff, the Wretched website. That's right, Wretched.org is full of amazing content, like each full 30-minute TV episode, our full daily radio episodes. You can also use the nifty search bar to find hundreds of topics that have been discussed on either radio or TV. The Wretched store is there too, and it's loaded with over 40 resources, all produced with the help of our gospel partners. If you're already an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner, thank you. Your efforts and support have helped us reach millions of people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully and thoughtfully consider becoming one? You can find answers to virtually any question you have about becoming a gospel partner at wretched.org slash donate. Or you can text the word Wretched to 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Two. That's right, 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, their parents are getting saved, the church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local church. It became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible God told Hosea the prophet to marry a prostitute to illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness to God and God's faithful love for Israel. When Hosea's wife returned to prostitution and was enslaved, he bought her back and loved her. When you are mistreated and abandoned, remember that is how you treated God. But if you turn to God, He will forgive you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio today while Todd is out at Kennesaw State University. He's been chatting with Paul, who was raised Catholic and also maybe just as most young people are today, very postmodern. So let's get back to their chat now. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Okay, let's just say, let's look out there and just see um, that garbage can. Right. I believe that's God. And when I die, I'm going to be brought to an incinerator, put into a hefty baggie, small one, Ziploc perhaps, and put into that container for all of eternity. And that's where I will live for forever. Paul, 
Do you believe I'm wrong or right? I'm not following you into the garbage can, but uh, if you're ever open to other ideas, I'd like to I'd talk to you. Now, that, now you're just being politically correct. Would you say it? Would, would you say Would you say it's true? Would you say I'm wrong? Uh, yeah, you're, you're wrong in my opinions. Congratulations. You just backslid to at least being modern. Okay, I'll take it. All right, but it's not your opinion. It's either objectively true or false. Oh, sorry. By opinions, I mean my thoughts. Yeah, because okay. yeah, truth really isn't subjective. Those are preferences. I like the opera. You like country music. Those are preference issues. But truth is either true or it's not. Okay, maybe I misunderstood that the definition of truth. Okay. All right, cool. All right, let me try to turn the tables. All right. You're going to come up to me and say, hey, Todd, uh, besides your horrible posture, what do you believe? I'd, I'd, I'd like to I'm interested in learning what you believe and why I should consider your belief. You ready to, to play act that? Sure. Go. Hey, uh, Todd, Todd, we're very comfortable with one another. <laughs> what do you believe in? And uh, I don't know. What's I think the last thing we are is comfortable at the moment. What you believe in. I'd like to imagine we're comfortable. Let me just role play that. I'm talking physically here. Oh, okay. This is anything but comfortable. I find this chair miserable. Geographically. So what do you believe in? This got really awkward. What do I believe in? This is what I believe, Paul, that I know there's a swing maker someplace because this swing exists. I know that there's a creator because there's a creation. I know that. That is the most basic, logical conclusion a human being can come up with. We got a creation. There's a creator. The question is, who is that creator? So I'm going to start thinking, all right, well, if the creator made the creation, he's got to be sort of like it because a painting reflects something about a painter. So this creation tells me something about the creator. So, for instance, I would conclude because if he's the creator and I'm the creation, I don't have more attributes than him. You and I communicate. I think he communicates. You and I like to be in relationships. He must like to be in relationships. He's creative. We're creative. This is all making sense. But then I start looking at some other realms of society, like the realm of justice. We like justice. You would agree. Unfairness. We were just talking about that in class. Everybody will just stand up if they see something unfair, like, that's not cool. They'll at least think it. They'll at least think it. And I think the reason is it's because we're made by a creator who feels the exact same way. And we have court systems because this creator has a court system. We have laws because he has laws. We have punishment because he has punishment. So that's I'm intuiting what God must be like. He must be big. He must be communicative, relational, judicial. He must be creative. He must be powerful. He must be very, very smart. So I'm thinking about that's what God must be based on the creation. So then the question is, is there anything or anyone or any book that reveals who that God is? And I think the book that does that is the Bible tells us who the creator is. That's what I think. I think that's pretty, pretty dang uh, intelligent of a take. You've given it a lot of thought. I have. You know, when I was a kid, I was horrified of death. Did you have that too? Uh, I was like really kind of obsessed with not dying. Yeah, I was kind of kind of out there. Beat. You probably got me beat. 
Yeah, so I, I did give it a lot of thought because when I would when I would examine my conscience and listen to like, all right, how am I doing here? How am I behaving? Maybe other people don't see it, but I know it, and I know what goes on here, and I know what goes on in my heart. I know what I think like, and I'm in big trouble when I die. I'm going to be in big trouble. That was that was my conclusion. So I I wanted to give it a lot of thought because I think it's pretty obvious God exists, and I think it's pretty obvious I'm in trouble. So I start reading the Bible, and it confirms all of my suspicions. I am a bad person. <laughs> you know, do you think you're a good person? Uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty okay. Do you know the Ten Commandments? I know not the order, but yeah, I know. Give me one. All right, thou shall not kill. Have you ever done that? No, I've never done that. Hold the phone. Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shall not commit murder. But I say, if you're angry with your brother unjustly, you're you're in danger of the judgment. And then the Bible goes on to say, you're like a murderer in your heart. Right. Right. So mm -hmm. you haven't like cut somebody's head off, but that was kind of the feeling behind my anger. So that would be a that would be a violation of that commandment too. All right. Give me another commandment. Uh, using the Lord's name in vain. Ever done that? No. No, I haven't. Let me use the microphone. <laughs> no, you've I, never OMG. No, I, I'm really using gosh. That's. Do you want to know what that's called? Technically, what? It's it's called a minced oath. Oh, okay. Am I using a loophole? You're using a loophole. Yeah. So just by changing a consonant or a vowel. And if you think about all the expressions that we have for disgust or for anger or even excitement, you listen very carefully. It all sounds like God or Christ. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. So first words, they used to be like, oh, God's hooks, God's hands, you know, right. yeah, different, different language, but we kind of change the words so that we don't feel like we're blaspheming when we actually are. Okay. Another commandment, please. Oh, uh, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. You ever done that? Not knowingly. I, uh, I always check for a wedding ring first before I check out a lady. Okay. So basically desiring something that didn't belong to you is something that you've done. We all do that. Like a car or a house or smarts or looks, or sense of, I want what somebody else wants. That's coveting. You've done that, haven't you? Uh, I think it's cool, but I don't, like, covet it, you know? Okay, so if I said, what kind of car do you want? What would it be? Oh, Kia's got these K5s out. They're pretty cool. I haven't seen that one. They're the new uh, sedans with the squinty eyes for headlights. I don't know how to describe it. You picked a Kia. Of all the cars, you picked a Kia. Hey, look at we've all got our preferences. All right. So if you saw somebody with a key and you're like, man, I wish I had that. That's coveting. It's here's 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 what I want theirs. I want my own one. Oh, yeah. All right. Here. It's the same sentiment, because here's what coveting says. God, I don't have what I think I should have. OK, your your judgment of what you've given to me has not been good. I want that. So that's that. It's a it's a heart issue more than anything. Give me another commandment. Um, or all others, good on you. You just did too. Okay. Uh, well, it's, it's first and second commandment are they're They're connected, but thou shall have no other gods before me. Thou shall not make a graven image because similar. Yeah. All 
Right. So have you always put God first? In what way? In your life, with your priorities, with your thinking, with your acting. You've been living for God more than you've been living for yourself. I've been living with God and myself. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a kind of a relationship more than it is a, you know, you have to put the first thing you always think of is God. Well, it should be one of the major things you think of. But do you? Yeah. All the time. I think so. I mean, if With I every decision, not every decision is very important, such as me deciding to sit down with this conversation. It wasn't, oh, would God say this is OK? okay wait a second. I want to know, sit down with this and you chose conversation. What were you going to call me? Interview. Okay. <laughs> with this. Yeah. Okay. All right. I've got one for you that I don't think you're going to escape, Paul. All right. Actually, I got a couple. Thou shall not steal. Ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? I have. Ever dishonor your parents? I have, but when I learned it was dishonor, I felt bad. And I always do once I realize, oh, I just dishonored them. I do feel bad. Which is good, but you've still committed the crime. I understand. Here's one. Adultery. Tell me how I did this one, because I would like to know. Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. So he's quoting Exodus 20, the commandment to not commit adultery. But I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Wouldn't I have to have a wife in that situation? No, sir. That's exactly his point. All you need to do is look at a woman that is not your wife and you've committed adultery in your heart because you are lusting after somebody. Oh, see, I never heard it like that. And break. Gotta take a break, but we are not finished yet. Todd's been sharing the law with her friend Paul, but how is the conversation going to progress from here? We'll find out right after this on Witness Wednesday. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, a pretend gender activist, that's my new word, pretend gender, not transgender, but pretend gender. A pretend gender activist who pledged to send prescription hormones to minors across state lines has now been accused of sexual assault by multiple victims. Multiple screenshots of text messages between the activist and one victim has been released, and several others have also spoken out making their own abuse claims as well. Yeah, I don't think this abuse is something that she, I think she was born as she, is going to just wish away like she did her gender. I'm not quite sure how I missed this humdinger, but somehow I managed not to see that everyone's favorite political expert, Whoopi Goldberg, has now become a super wise theologian. Recently on The View, Goldberg pontificated, and I quote, God doesn't make mistakes. God made us smart enough to know when it was working for us. That's the beauty of giving us freedom of choice, end quote. Pontiff Whoopi was spot on about God not making mistakes, especially the baby that he formed in the womb of her mother. She wasn't a mistake either, whoopster. But hey, look, don't give her a hard time. Give her a break. I think she just probably missed that day of Bible school. She had COVID or whatever. Well, the Biden administration and Florida's agriculture commissioner have agreed not to starve children in a Florida Christian school after all. That's outstanding news. Last week, we reported that the administration was pulling funding from the school's lunch program because they were Christians who believed the Bible, and if they were going to believe the Bible, then the children had to starve. Well, the school filed suit against the Biden administration, and they promptly backed off. 
which actually does surprise me because I thought harming children pre and post birth was kind of their thing. And speaking of Florida, the State Agency for Healthcare Administration has issued an emergency suspension of the license of the American Family Planning Murder Farm after three women were injured during individual procedures. The state called the practice an immediate serious danger to the health, safety, and welfare of the citizens of Florida. And here we are all along believing that abortion was supposed to be all about women's health. Ha, go figure. And an elite all-girls school in Nashville has just gotten even more elite. Or maybe complete. No, 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 that's not the right word. The correct word I think we should use is indiscreet. That's it, indiscreet. Because the elite Harpeth Hills all-girls school has now announced that after 155 years of being an all-girls school, now it's going to allow boys pretending to be girls to enroll in the school. That is a great idea, a great, big, indiscreet, nonsensical, and dangerous idea. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called our sanctuary. Through Christ, we find refuge from God's justice and find a safe haven where we can enter into the presence of the Holy God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. And when we last left Todd, he was sharing the law with our Catholic friend Paul. So how is their conversation going to progress from here? Where is it going to go now? Well, let's find out together, shall we? So you've broken several of the commandments. I think you've broken them all, but that's just between you and me. Definitely broken the stealing one. So let's just say the Bible is right. It is appointed unto man to die once and then be judged. So let's just say tree falls, kills us both in the swing, and you are standing before God. The swing. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't for the comfort. All right. So you die. You're standing before God. He's got the Paul books. He's opening them up. He's seen everything you've done in private, in your head, in your heart, everything. Would God say that you are innocent or guilty? Uh, In this situation, are we relying on the rule that all that know me shall live forever? I'm just asking you judicially, would God say you're an innocent man who's free to go? Or would he say you're a guilty man? Oh, I'm a sinner. Yeah. So what should God do with guilty criminals when they die and they are brought to his judgment seat? Uh, You know, I really don't know. But, I mean... Okay, what is, an, what is an earthly judge who isn't as good as God? What does an earthly judge do with a guilty criminal? Reward him or punish him? Punish him. Punish him for, you know, yeah. So what should God do with you and me? Probably do some time in purgatory or something. I don't know much about it, though. So I probably should. Fair enough. Okay, but he should punish us. Yeah. See, that's what I came to the conclusion of. It's like, wait a second. I've done a lot of bad. I can't make this up. I'm a guilty criminal. I am in big trouble. That's that I came to that conclusion. My conscience told me I've committed crimes against God. Now, from the biblical perspective, from what the Bible teaches, you got yourself now a bit of a conundrum. Here it is. God must, not should, 
he must punish lawbreakers. Because if he doesn't, he's not just. If a judge lets let a criminal off, you'd go, hey, that's not fair. You can't just turn a blind eye to justice. Same thing is true with God. Because justice originates from him. The foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. So he's got to punish lawbreakers like you and like me. But the Bible says more about God. God is rich in mercy. His unlimited forgiveness. That's probably pretty important to take account of. He's filled with grace. He is filled with loving kindness and with mercy. He's a warm-hearted God who desires to forgive sinners. But now track with me on this. God must punish sinners, but he'd like to forgive sinners. According to the Bible, what did God do so he could be both just and justify people who don't deserve it? Uh, is it putting the burden of asking for forgiveness on us? Well, that's going to be a that's going to be a part of this conversation. But what I just set up for you is something judicial, something very legal. God is going to uphold the laws. He's going to punish lawbreakers, but he desires to forgive them. So he he came up with a plan to accomplish both so that justice could be satisfied and criminals could be set free. What is his plan to do that for people like you and me? Is there you know this. I think you know this. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I understand. God must punish criminals, but he desires to forgive them. So what was God's plan so that he could forgive those criminals and set them free and justice would still be satisfied? Asking for forgiveness? Well, I, I can't say that's wrong, but here's, here's what I'm digging after, and I think you're going to know the answer to this. Tell me what Easter is. Uh, the resurrection of Christ? Yeah. Good. So he died on a cross, rose from the dead. What was the point of all that? Take everybody's sins with him? See, I knew you knew the answer. Okay, okay. I'm with you. Yeah. So here's what was happening. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, God himself, the Son of the Father, took on human form, body just like yours and mine. But he never sinned. He never broke a commandment, never sass-mouthed his parents, never lusted, always told the truth, never stole anything. He was born with original sin, though. He had to get that taken out with the baptism. Nope. He was not born with original sin was his mother, Mary. That would be a Roman Catholic. Oh, is that that only me? Okay. Well, no, it's a it's a Roman Catholic thing. And um, Jesus Christ actually is God in flesh. So he was he was born with a human nature, but he was totally divine simultaneously. And by the way, Mary, if you read the Magnificat, she also confessed she was a sinner who needed a savior, too. Nevertheless, let's just put that aside for a second. Jesus Christ lives a perfect life of righteousness. On the cross, God was pouring out his wrath on his son on behalf of sinners like you and me so that justice could be satisfied. So if we will repent, you keep using the word ask for forgiveness, I agree, we'll repent, turn from our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ. God is just to justify the ungodly because of what his son did on our behalf. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. God, therefore, can forgive somebody like you and me 
because Jesus paid the penalty that we owe and can't pay. That is why I think you should become a Christian so that you can have your sins forgiven and you can know the God who loves you so much he died to save you. That's what I would say to you. Dang, that all comes right back full circle. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, no, that's very, I like how you took it in a, uh, you know, part by part way of the, uh, the justice and the rules and the logic that we all see in ourselves. So the question is, is what I just said true objectively? Wait, could you define objectively versus? Um, that's a tree. It either, it either is or it isn't. If I called that thing a rope, you'd go, no, that's not. And even though I believe it passionately, no, it's really a rope. You'd go, no, you're objectively wrong. It's a tree. Either Jesus Christ was gone, he lived, died, rose again, or it's a lie. It is my objective truth, and I think it should be everyone's objective truth because I'm so confident in it. Let me ask you this question. I want to get really deep into your heart right now. You ready? No. We're going to go deeper still. Jesus said to a very religious guy, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? Well, I've heard born again Christians kind of get a second chance. That's how they, I don't know much about it, but uh, to be born again, I... Judging from what I've seen in the, you know, people, the situations in the Bible, I would just say it's letting Christ into your heart. Okay. I mean, you could say that Copernicus was kind of born again, not Copernicus, uh, Longinus, sorry, all these Roman names, was born again when uh, the grace of Jesus, when he pierced him, washed over him. He was born again and became one of the uh, a devout follower. I would say it would be one of those kind of symbolic moments where you just sort of open the door. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, 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 you're dancing on it pretty close, which is good because most people go, I have no idea what it means to be born again. So to be born again, you got to die. Okay. Right? You got to die. Well, because you can't go back in your mother's womb. It can't mean that, right? right? That's so. dumb. So to be born again, it's a spiritual rebirth. Right. It's where you come to the realization where you go, you know what? My opinion of myself has been wrong. I'm not a good guy. I'm a sinner. I'm a lawbreaker. And God would be just to damn me. I deserve it. But God, I'm calling on you for you to fulfill your promise that if I will come unto you like a child, you will save me. You will adopt me. You will forgive me. You will justify me. If I put my trust in your son, I'm putting my trust in your son. I believe in you. I turn from my sins. Have mercy on me. And God says, when you arrive at that place, he makes you born again. He He resurrects your, your dead spiritual nature, and he makes you alive in Christ. It's a pretty big deal where a man suddenly changes his opinion about himself. Yeah, that's that's not something that's just happens randomly has that happened to you okay so i know you're gonna kill me for this one but we do have to take this pause but the tape is rolling and when we come back we're gonna find out just how paul answers that question have you ever been born again this is witness wednesday on wretched radio 
How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Why do we believe so much in biblical counseling? And let's comments like these. I just haven't thought of it that way. Pretty intense, huh? Those are comments from real people receiving real biblical counseling for real issues in season one of Transformed. Transformed is truly a one-of-a-kind production, providing you with an up-close look at the hope and relief only the Bible can provide. Transformed, from brokenness to wholeness. And it's available now at transformed.org. Attributes of God Psalm 115 verse 3 says that God does all that He pleases. God is sovereign over His whole creation. 
He has the right and the power to govern all things according to His will. Nothing occurs in your life that God, in His sovereignty, has not allowed. He is working all things for His glory and the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Todd's out on the campus at Kennesaw State University today, and he's been talking with Paul, who is a Catholic. So far, they've discussed postmodernism, they've discussed truth, they've discussed the law, and also what it means to be born again. So, has Paul ever been born again? I'm putting my trust in your son. I believe in you. I turn from my sins. Have mercy on me. And God says, when you arrive at that place, he makes you born again. He, he resurrects your, your dead spiritual nature, and he makes you alive in Christ. It's a pretty big deal where a man suddenly changes his opinion about himself. Yeah, that's, that's not something that just happens randomly. Has that happened to you? I don't think so, because I'm still choosing some bad decisions, and I'm still feeling guilty. If I feel guilt, then that means I'm doing something wrong. And I mean, there's always still time, but yeah, I'd, I wish I could uh, get a little faster on kind of that rebirth thing. But I, I just know if I forced it right now, it would not be coming from the heart. It would more be coming from the fear of me not being reborn. I'd, I'd like it to be a very, very 100% confirmative decision. You know, I can relate to that because remember I told you I had a fear of death. Right. And I went to a church and I just heard, you know, I believe in God and you won't go to hell. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty groovy. So I was in. Sign me up for the get out of hell program. But but I was not one of those who was born again because I was just using God for fire insurance. Insurance policy. Right. Exactly. And I'm trying not to do that. Furthermore, God really isn't seeking fear filled converts. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. You should be afraid to go to hell. We, We really should. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But that's not why God wants us to turn to him. Instead of turning to him out of fear, we should turn to him because he's been so good to rescue us from what we deserve. It's the kindness of God that should lead us to repentance. So if you want to expedite this born again experience, think about what you deserve from God and then look at the lengths that he went to to rescue you. And that should cause you to say, I'm done with me. I, you're it. I want to live for you because you have been so kind to die for me while I was yet a sinner. That's how you should be thinking this thing through. And my encouragement to you, Paul, is actually don't let this be a long process because the reality is you and I could die today. An aneurysm could take you out in a heartbeat. tree or the falling tree on this lousy bench that we're sitting on. Today is the day of salvation. If you will call out to God, you have his promise. He will not cast you out. He receives everyone who comes to him like a little child, humbly confessing their sins and putting their faith exclusively in Jesus Christ. He says, your slate will be cleaned. And more than that, all the good stuff Jesus did, I'm going to give you that credit. It is cool. Yeah, it's, it's the doctrine of double imputation is what it is. But that aside, 
you give Jesus your rap sheet, he gives you his resume. So that not only are you seen as a forgiven criminal, God looks at you like you're the citizen of the millennium because you get all of the credit of Jesus. That's how good God is. That's how merciful he is. And when you think about his goodness, that's what should cause you to say, I want to follow you the rest of my life. And he promises he'll get all of that because he always delivers on his promise to save repentant sinners. So what I'm saying to you is don't dilly dally. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not trying to take my time. You know, they, they say, you know, you could wait till the last second and then open your heart and you'd be just as fine as someone who waited till five minutes after he was born. So, you know, you'd be just as equal kind of. I agree with that. And besides, you don't know that you're going to do it. You might not have the opportunity to do that. And, and actually, though, Paul, I think that misses the bigger point because God didn't die just to forgive us and bring us to heaven. He brought, died for us to bring us into a relationship with him. Because of Christ, you and I can be introduced to God in a re loving relationship with him. In other words, you can know God, be known by God, and enjoy him forever. But individuals should want to become a Christian so that they can be with Christ. And if you just keep putting it off because I'm just going to deal with it later because I want to keep sinning now. You're missing out on knowing God right now. That's the point of Christianity. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely hear you. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right, do you have a Bible? I do, but uh, Catholic stereotype. I'm Catholic, so I haven't really read it. I'll I don't think it's just the Catholics who don't read it. Oh, thank goodness. But I'll go through it here and I'll do like piece by piece or someone will recommend something and I'll check it out. Yeah. Could I encourage you to read? It's an epistle. It's not very long, pretty challenging. It's the book of Ephesians. Okay. Right? It was a city. Paul had started a church there, and he wrote him a letter. And if you just read the first three chapters, everything that we've been talking about will be right there. Wow. Okay. So the first chapters of Ephesians? First three chapters. I'm going to give you one verse. And as a Roman Catholic, this is going to challenge you. Okay. Listen carefully. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that nobody can boast. Tell me what that Bible verse means. I already know there's probably 10 commas in that sentence. Jeez. Uh... By grace are you saved, not of works. It's a total gift of God so that you can't boast. Oh, that means it's it's free and open to everybody. And it's and it's free. You don't work it. You don't you don't go to purgatory to burn it off. You don't do good deeds in order to be forgiven. You do good deeds because you have been forgiven. By grace, you're saved through faith. So the Roman Catholic system would encourage you to do your best to be perfected before you die. It starts out with baptism, the sacrament of baptism. I, you were probably baptized as a baby. Yeah, yeah, very early. They call that infused righteousness. Basically, with your baptism, it, it makes you actually righteous. But here's the problem. You don't stay righteous. Yeah. So you need to keep doing stuff. You need to go to confessions. You need to do penance. You need to do the sacraments. Uh, you need to do acts of love. And then before you die, you need to have the last rites. 
and then maybe you can go directly to heaven. That verse says, wrong, you don't work. I'm going to get all the credit. I've done it all. I have delivered you completely and fully by grace. You're saved through faith, a gift of God, not of works so that you can't boast and he can so that for all of eternity, Paul could point at Paul and say, want to know how good I am? I saved Paul by grace through faith as a total gift. So what I just presented to you is a different, different offer than what you've heard from the Catholic church. They've been telling you to do good, and maybe I'm telling you, you've done bad, but if you'll put your trust in Jesus, he'll make you righteous, and you will definitely go to heaven. That's good news. That's definitely what I would, I would say. I believe more than whatever the Catholic Church was about, keep doing good, keep doing, like, I like doing good. That's not, I'm not going to say I don't. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I have so much faith in God that I want to keep doing good. It's, it's. Uh, a good relationship builder and but yeah i know it's it's really a lot easier than that you it's like you said and like what i said earlier about it's about opening your heart that's what i feel like yeah, yeah i you know if that term describes an individual who comes humbly to god as somebody who is undone who got downwind from themselves and realized whoa i do not smell good and and i need god that's that's what God is desiring. He doesn't want fear-filled converts. He wants tear-filled converts. Thank you. He doesn't want you to believe in him to escape hell. He wants you to believe in him because he's rescued you from hell. It's a radical difference. So remember, God, he saves you for a purpose. It's not just to put you on his mantle as a trophy of his grace. That's a part of it. But he does it so that you can actually know the most amazing being in the universe himself. That's what, that's what God seeks. Worshippers who love him because of who he is. That's the message of the Bible, I think. So, Paul, we're going to get off of this miserable bench now. And you, my friend, I think have some thinking to do. Would you do that today and spend some time pondering what I've said to you? Yeah, and I'll definitely read the Ephesians the first three chapters and you know maybe more but uh definitely check that out to see what you said and i really appreciate having this conversation me too yeah me too. it was yeah. fun nice day for it great day rotten swing great day thanks <laughs> mate nice. appreciate it all right and you know paul was a very nice and very pleasant young man such a great conversation to listen to but was paul lost that's the big question and i don't think any of us can really say for sure because he did speak about things that convict him but it also did seem like there was a lot of evidence pointing to, yeah, yeah, he is lost. And that's just from the things that were his own admission, not mere assumption. But we don't really know if that's the case or not. So let's all commit to praying for young Paul. And also, if you don't mind, commit to joining us back here tomorrow for more Wretched Radio. Until then, go serve your king.